We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. I'm BJ Kissel, joined as always by six-year NFL vet, Super Bowl champ, former K-State All-American, and Lake Quivira Neighborhood Watch Command Leader, Nick Leckie. Nick, what's going on, man? Uh, <laughs> not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'll call the cops on you for sure. I'm a snitch. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a snitch. I'm great, man. I'm great. Um, I'm going to snitch on my buddy right here real quick because Fernando Hunkadella is love one of him. my buddies. One of my buddies. You know Fernando. Uh, runs social for the Chiefs. He's one of real the, fun. He, he, he and yeah, he and Alex Mary run social for the Chiefs, and he said, "Sorry, but I'm proud of this." And he's referring to the copy of the tweet that went out that celebrated uh, Bashad Breland's interception on the highlight and said, "Easy breezy, beautiful cover guy," and it's just <laughs> it's that cheesy crap that Fernando and social just I'm sure it killed it. I just I could never do it. I'm not that punny like that. He's oh. I, I saw what that's you just said there. I like I, I, I liked him too because uh, he's able to to give me some some Twitter tips, and it was pretty cool. Yes, because like, he's like he's deep into that. Like he's like it's <laughs> casual. Yeah, it's casual for me, but it's it's deep for him. Like he's yeah. next level thinking on that stuff. It's more than just like I know how to get a few likes. Like he really knows how to get into social media. But anyway, uh, we're not going to talk about social media. We're going to talk about the Chiefs' twenty-seven twenty-four win over the Tampa Bay Bucks, and uh, this one ended up. The scoreboard looked a lot closer than this one felt. Nick, maybe you have a different take on it than I do. That's what's beautiful about this show. We get together after the game and we just kind of talk about what we felt because I didn't feel like this game was close at all. Maybe just because the way that it started or just the ease at which Patrick Mahomes and the offense could just chuck the ball around the yard. Uh, I know there's things to take away from it. Um, I'm always the most uh, optimistic looking person and always trying to find, you know, the glass half full, half full in these cases. But uh, I loved everything about this game uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And then obviously we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, and obviously Tyreek Hill and what they were able to do today. They were able to do some magic today. It was cool to see all those explosive plays. And and for a sector, it looked like field position was irrelevant. You know, it looked like they were they were seeing the uh, the matrix for what it was, right? Which is all like the like the the words and stuff coming down on the screen. So it was it was a fun thing to watch until Tampa turned it on. Yeah, they you saw him fight back and you knew that was going to happen at some point as much as we make jokes about Tom Brady and where he's at in his career. Uh, the guy's still good enough to read a defense, know where to go with the ball in certain situations and, and step up and make a throw. Uh, he, he's the greatest of all time for a reason as of we stand currently uh, as of you know what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes and all that. It's different, different conversation that we had to have for a long time. But uh, step and give credit where it's due that the Bucks came up and they did make plays. We talk about every week that the Chiefs are going to get everyone's best shot, uh, regardless of how they play week by week. It's a week. It's a week of attrition. It's a battle of attrition every single week, and we saw it this week. Chiefs came out. They took the best, but the Bucks' best shot, and still came out on top. And you know, at the end of the day, as Tyron Matthews said on Twitter, a win is a win, especially in the NFL. Yeah, it is. And and whether you win pretty or win ugly, man, it's it, it goes down the record books and gets you one step closer to trying to secure that that buy. Uh, you know, it looks like Pittsburgh is still in firm command of their right. destiny. 
Um, but yeah, it go was Ravens. nice. Go Ravens. Yeah, exactly, Here's, right? Get them on Tuesday night. That's going to be weird. I, I just think I, I'm so like when Monday Night Football rolls around, I'm so done with it. I'm like, okay, like, great. I love Monday Night Football. And then it's like Tuesday, it's like, okay, I'm good until Thursday. So I don't yeah. like Tuesday reminds me too much of like um, a Maction, right? Mac, Mac, <laughs> Mac, Mac, Mac football on Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday night. And like it, it does. And I have a mini rant to go on on this because I don't know if you were a part of this, these, this discussion or if you've heard any of these discussions. I'm sure there, there have been a bunch. Um, why did the NFL move the Ravens Steelers game? Because they're the good. Bronco, but because made the Broncos good. play a flipping game <laughs> with this poor dude. And I didn't watch a down of it. I've just seen the stuff on social media. But this poor dude just has to go out and play quarterback that probably couldn't beat like a mid division one football team in college. Like, let's not pretend that it's the, like this poor guy had to go play quarterback in the NFL as like a wide receiver. Like, I don't understand how the <laughs> NFL can do that and stay straight faced and be like, we care about everybody except the Broncos, like, we don't really care about this game. Okay, so if, if you look, look at the matchup, right, you absolutely want to see Pittsburgh and Baltimore play. Like, that is a primetime TV numbers booster. Broncos are out of it, and the Saints are, are first in the NFC. So they, they want the Saints to get an easy game, you know, get this win, move on from – don't get COVID from any of the Broncos players. No, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that, would they? The NFL wouldn't do that. That would be – they. it would be too obvious, Nick. It would be too obvious that you could move one game and then not move another, and there's not, there's not this, like, governing body of people just to be like, what the hell are you mm-hmm. doing? Not if, not if you say that one team had a, a widespread outbreak and the other team just had a video of them in a quarterback room. Um, oh, yeah. But they can't. You can't control what everyone says about your sport. It's not like you have your own TV network. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm well, just kidding. well, you don't if you're AT and T Uverse because they're, they're in they're in beefs right now. So I'm I'm without the privilege of NFL Network because AT and T can't get their stuff together. So, yeah, okay, whatever. this is all. This is all. This is all said in jest, right, Nick? Right. This is all correct. said in jest. We are just. We are just kidding. One thing we're not kidding about is that you can go to Jack Stack Barbecue and get the outside the trenches game day pack on the weekends. Nick, you know what you can get? You can get some burn ends. Love them. Get some wings. Lo- you love get them. some pulled pork. You get the cheesy corn bake. And you get some hickory pit beans. And if you do it online, which we would recommend that you do, because you can put in the code TRENCHES10, capital TRENCHES, and then one zero, and that will give you $10 off the Outside the Trenches game day pack. That's 50 bucks for all that food that will feed four to six people. So you're looking at about $10 or less per person. So not a bad deal. Trenches 10 there, jackstackbbq.com. But Nick, um, we were not joking about getting the Jackstack barbecue. But uh, one thing that is not a laughing matter right now is I have a feeling that the Kansas City Chiefs broke the Las Vegas Raiders. And there's a lot of sarcasm in my voice right now, and I'm not going to apologize for being a diehard Chiefs fan, for growing up a Chiefs fan, and for not really liking the Raiders. So that is where the tone is coming from. But you can't go out, claim to be on the Chiefs level like Raiders fans were doing all week. Go out there and play a really good football game to where you have diehard Chiefs fans like myself and other people saying, you know what? Fucking the Raiders are pretty good. Okay, we'll give it to you. The Raiders, you're, you're pretty good. You are gonna, you're going to – hopefully fight for the right to earn the right to play the chiefs again in the playoffs in arrowhead. Like you were good enough to be in that mix, to be in that group of teams. You can't then go out and just get fucking blasted by the Falcons by 40 points the week after. And then, and then look yourself in the mirror and be like, you know what? Everything we said going to that chiefs game, we honestly believe that about ourselves. It seems like they quit. I I, as a football fan, I would love to be wrong on this, but it's going to be fascinating. We talked about it this week. How are the Raiders going to respond? It's going to be fascinating to see how that locker room responds going in the rest of the week. Because what I think is going to happen is you're going to see about 30 more COVID tests pop up because those guys are going to get tired of following all these things. And they're just going to go back to living there. They're going to start making decisions about, you know what, I just, I'm just i tired of this. I'm just going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And then COVID things start popping up. That's my guess. You think so? You think they're going to quit on the season? You think so? 
I think they're on the outside looking in at the AFC playoffs, and it's not like these guys aren't going to look at that and know. I mean, you're looking at, first of all, the, the entire AFC West went 0-3 today and got outscored 101-26. to They just got ass-kicked, all of them. But Char- you look at the – Chargers were close. They lost by 10. Yeah. So, yeah, they, it was two possessions with a close one. And then the Broncos, the Broncos isn't fair because they had some sloppy playing quarterback. Poor dude. And no no fair. completions. Hey, hey, the Broncos beat their he own. He completed record. one pass to Noah Fant no, for 13 no yards. No He's completions. one of nine. Did you see what? that? No, no completions in the first half. No, I said he said he completed one pass in the entire game to Noah yeah. Fant for 13 yards. Um, what a joke. So, and that's by the NFL. That's not nothing against him or the Bronco or like any of it. It's just a mess. What a mess. Uh, but anyway, the as you look on the in the division standings, you look at the Raiders and what they're looking at. They're tied to the same number of wins as the Ravens, depending upon if the Ravens can get a win on Tuesday night against the Steelers and they'll move up. And obviously, that'd be great for the Chiefs. But they're looking up at the Browns, the Colts, and the Dolphins right now. Anyway, those teams all have seven wins, and the Raiders sitting there with six wins. Looks like they've got a couple of injuries they were dealing with in this game. And they still got the COVID stuff they're dealing with. And they did have a pretty tough stretch um, of games down the final stretch of the season. So it wasn't going to be easy anyway. And now you've got to re-get yourself back up after that emotional letdown. And this is how you come out and respond. I just – I don't see them bouncing back. I'd love to be wrong, Nick, but I don't think it's going to happen. No, it's I not. Wouldn't I wouldn't even mean, love to I, – I, I fucking lie. I wouldn't – I don't wouldn't love to be wrong. Really I would love like to be right about this one. You really would be. Well, and I think the thing with the, the Raiders, it truly is like when you look at like when teams play the Chiefs, right, they bring their A game because they know what it's going to take. And the Raiders brought their A game and they literally like this is the reason why Andy Reid doesn't go full sale, you know, drop the mask. Like, here's what we're doing. I mean, the Raiders emptied their playbook uh, to beat the Chiefs and then they essentially gave up all of their tricks. Like they, they gave up all their little everything that they're capable of. So now they put that out there and then they can't handle the heat that teams are giving because they, they put that on film. So now, now they're saying, oh, here's what you do on offense. OK, cool. All right. Then, and then here's what you do to the Chiefs. So now everyone was like, yeah. now we're ready for you or Las Vegas. And, yeah. you know, they're not going to be able to sneak anybody anymore. Yeah. Or whatever. Let's get in. All right, Nick, let's get into our takeaways from this game. Before we get into our bigger points, I just want to mention these things real real quick because I know we're going to have longer discussions about how great Patrick Mahomes is because yeah, yeah. We, we need to give our weekly take on that. But to, a couple of small things I saw. Le'Veon Bell, I saw him show some effort on some plays. He didn't play a lot. They weren't big-time plays. A couple third downs, I saw him make the kind of effort that he was off criticized for in New York. And that's kind of where I'm coming from is that people in New York said he was just playing about the money. He was quitting. He wasn't playing very hard. He was making business decisions, all those kinds of things. And it's like you slowly, and maybe I'm making a bigger uh, mountain out of a molehill, but like what I saw was a player that seems like he's buying into the Chiefs way of doing things, of just going hard every single play. And I'm talking about, you know, gaining those extra three yards on a second and 10, like swing pass where all of a sudden it was going to be second and four instead of second and seven. Or it's like he gave you a little something at the end it was like i it's it's jumped out to me to where i actually wrote it down because it was on the same drive it was like a couple of plays where he got the drive and it was like you know what like that's that extra effort that seems to be fitting in and that's going to endear himself when he's watching film tomorrow tonight whenever it is and his coaches watch that eric the enemy watches that when Dylan mccullough watches that when andy reed watches that they're going to be like that's the kind of effort we want to see because he's got all the physical attributes in the world to help out this offense. And we're starting to see that in small increments when he gets his time, those little things stand out to me. Oh, it's so true. And you have to be your own blocker and you have to make the first guy miss uh, when you're running back, especially when you're catching wheel routes or, or anything out of the, uh, out of the backfield. And he did make some people miss and, and he turned some zero yardage plays into some five, six yard plays and made some conversions. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. And if you look at, the jets and where they're at and, and how that one guy on Instagram, you know, he got traded and uh, was wearing his, uh, his jets uniform catching a bus, right. In the rain. Um, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. They're, they're winless or they're not winless, but they're, they're not doing really well. Yeah. They're stink. And for two years now they, they, they've stunk. And if you're Le'Veon Bell, I mean, you're used to being in Pittsburgh and you're competing for, for Super Bowls every year. So when you're not competing for Super Bowls, your attention, it wanes. It does. If you're a guy like that, if you're a high level guy. So I get it. Yeah. And then now he's back on a winning team, uh, you know, with Super Bowl aspirations and it's, he's performing like it. 
Yeah. You get competitive. A lot of times I think these guys, and I don't know, I've never talked to Le'Veon and I don't know him from anybody else, but a lot of times these guys, and they maybe get a bad rap because they're so competitive. They want to be on a winning team that it's like they're labeled as a troublemaker coming because the situation is in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to know what that was, but I know as a player, when you're giving everything you've got to an organization that says they care about you, but they're not willing to write you a check to give you that multi-year deal, that there's going to be a natural rub there. Like if they're te- if they say they care about you, but they're not willing to write you a check, how much do they care about you? So I, I get where he was coming from towards the end of that relationship. Everything before that, I have no idea. Um, and then obviously things got weird up in New York and in the free agency sitting out the season, whatever. Uh, anyway, we already spent more time talking about that than I had planned. Uh, so anyway, the other thing that, uh, that I want to mention real fast, Bashad Breeland, I saw pro football focus, put out this tweet after the game that he was targeted five times in this game, allowed zero catches. And then obviously had the one interception where this guy's playing at a really high level. I know that defensive backs, if they're not, you know, Deion Sanders nowadays, uh, <laughs> just a complete lockdown, shutdown guy. They either are absolutely terrible or they suck because the guy behind him is always better. You know, that, yeah, I think oh. that's the newest, the newest position. It used to be quarterback. Now I think it's cornerback where the guy behind you, that young rookie they drafted that I saw highlights of on YouTube, make a bunch of interceptions that can make these plays that you're not. Uh, that's the new thing. But uh, it was great to see those guys come out and make plays. No, he really did too. And, and I think for, for me, I was waiting for, for Mike Evans to get, you know, kind of unleashed because he had, he had like one catch in the first quarter, like, okay, man, yeah. he's, he's going to get turned on. And he was quiet up until the fourth quarter and the fourth quarter, he really turned it on. He really turned it on, but uh, too little, too late. And I thought that the coverage job by, by all the safeties and all the cornerbacks was really well on Mike Evans minus, you know, I'd say two or three plays. Yeah. Nick, what were the things that stood out? I kind of went through a few of mine and went off topic with the Raiders and, and some of the other stuff. But uh, what, what stood out to you from this game when you were watching? So, uh, obviously, to me, the, the explosive plays. Right. When you get in these, these monster conversions, right, where it's uh, I, I wrote it down in my notes and it was um, third drive. Uh, you know, where, where it chiefs, you know, kind of battling back and forth and first play, it was to Hill 75 yard play. And it's like, when you can have these sort of like, Oh, we're keeping it close. And then all of a sudden you just explode and you go for the jugular and you get it, you make a 75 yard conversion. Those are little, little rib shots. Those are really, really big body blows to a defense. And you could just really just knock them off guard. And, and I just love, love the fact that, you know, it's third and eight, and they they also go for a jugular play, I believe, on on uh, for for Tyreek Hill on his third one. And it was like just wow, like just it, it was just the, the being able to dial up explosive plays was was really really cool for me to see. And just yeah, it was it was interesting to see how they were kind of talking. Tony Romo was talking about it, and they were trying to say like, you know, how do you play the Chiefs? You go too deep, and you put the guys way back. You just let Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and these guys on these intermediate routes just absolutely tear you apart. Um, that when they're playing like that and Patrick Mahomes has time and he feels comfortable and it, it's not even always about like feeling comfortable and then just you're dominating your one-on-one blocks. He just feels comfortable because the play calls where they decided to slide protection and they kind of move the pocket, and move them out. It was always seemed like when they did that, it either worked because it was a great play call at the right time or just because of what whatever defensive scheme was called, it was going to be open there anyway. Um, not because of the specific play call, but uh, it just seemed like he was very comfortable with how he was maneuvering, how he was feeling the pressure. And then obviously just the natural throwing of the football. We talk about it a lot, but he just, he looks natural throwing the football. And you talk about like the baseball and all this, it's just the way that he moves, the way the ball comes out of his hand, it just doesn't feel like he's throwing the same ball that everyone else is because he's so effortlessly getting rid of it. It's like the opposite of what we saw from Travis Kelsey on his attempted touchdown pass. (laughs) It's like, for the love of God, they gave you the perfect scenario. Everybody was hating on the play call. I was like, it was actually a great play call because they got the scenario they wanted. I think the defender did a good job who was Mm one-on-one out there. Yeah. but like Travis Kelsey does that 10 times, they're going to score seven of them. So like, I didn't mind the play call because they execute. So at such a high level with those kind of flips that it's not like there's this huge risk of the ball, like something bad happening, like in high school football, but uh, yeah, it, no. I, and I totally agree with that. I told, and then I think after missing that, um, that special, I want to say special teams, uh, that trick play, <laughs> that trick play, so to speak, uh, it didn't work. I'm kind of glad that they, they kicked the field goal there. Because yeah. I think you can shift to momentum, a lot of momentum, 
towards Tampa Bay's favor had you had tried to gone for for a run early on when the defense is jacked up uh, and then you would have got stuffed. Like that would have set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, I think I'm uh, outing our professional like secrecy of text messages, but uh, Sam Melliger and I were disagreeing on the field goal because he's like, you don't go for it. You're at the one foot foot line, like you go for it on fourth down. And I told him that like, if it was any other situation but the first drive of the game, I I would agree with you. I just felt like you want to put points on the board so the the Buccaneers always feel that le- that pressure. You have that leverage on them of you're that one possession up because they're already behind. You know what I mean? Like you've gained, you, know, you lose that one possession because you lose the you lose the the coin toss or whatever. So you get the ball back. They get to start the second half. I know there's stats that I don't have them of like you know the the numbers of possessions you get in the first half if you receive the kickoff or if you don't. So I feel like that might play a part. I know on Twitter, a lot of people disagreed with me saying that, you know, the stats will tell you that you should go for it on fourth down. And I think Harrison Butker's percentage of uh, kicking that field goal are better than the chiefs percentage, even if it's really high of completing a fourth and one. Uh, And since we won the fucking game by three points, I'm going to go ahead and say defend (laughs) the decision to kick the field goal. And you win a game by three points. So, right. Well, and it is. And, and I think, honestly, like I said, if, if it was the second, if, if it was the listen, you got to know that defenses are juiced up uh, the first couple of drives. So, trying to run the ball versus a defense, especially down there in the goal line, goal to go, it's difficult. Uh, they, that does get easier as the game progresses and as the defense wears out just a little bit. But yeah, yeah. you don't want to shift momentum like that. You don't want to set a tone. Uh, at all. Um, I also think another thing was I, I was I was amazed at, in the third, fourth quarter how Tampa's defensive line and Tampa's offensive line took over the game. They they really did. It was fantastic to see that Tampa getting pressure with four. Uh, yeah. I mean, Golston, JPP, uh, Sue, uh, man, they just looked uh, Shaq Barrett. I mean, they yep. just took over, and it wasn't it wasn't like just one person; it was everybody. It, and there was everybody on the entire Chiefs offense line was just getting beat, and that's and people were bitching. But I mean, you won't find a better defensive line than Tampa Bay's right now. Yeah, I I'm trying not to rant right now because <laughs> I don't get caught up into this like week by week matchups like. Oh, they got beat. So let's all like, oh shit! Like everybody, freak, freak out, burn it down, freak out. Like just relax. It'll be fine. Like remember, we can't run the ball, and then we go to Buffalo and we run for like two hundred yards, and it was like, oh my god, Clyde Edwards-Helaire is the rookie of the year, and then he goes a game like doesn't have a big game. They're like, oh my god, you don't take a running back in the first round. It's like just chill out. They're ten and one. Every week it's going to be something different. Different guys are going to have to step up and make plays. The guys that you're praising this week are going to be the guys you're hating on next week if you want to ride those ups and downs, which is fine, which is great. Just one, there's no right way to fandom. And so this is not preaching on how to be a fan. It just, in certain situations, makes me laugh just watching like Twitter and just the ups and downs and the people in the mentions freaking out about this and that. It's like we're 10 and one. We're the best team in football. We have the best player to ever live. We have the two, like, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill now one and two in the league in receiving yards. Like the NFL's never, the NFL has never seen this before. Spend your energy thinking and memor like memorizing how cool this moment is instead of bitching about like the interior defensive line not being Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox every week. Like just enjoy the win. And I know, yeah, no, our 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 new baseline. You do you, you, but yeah. No, uh, hey, the new baseline as a Chiefs fan is is winning the Super Bowl, right? Is is that game? So now, if if you don't, if the Chiefs don't perform like that, then everyone needs to get fired <laughs> and to get replaced with someone else who actually will get the job done. So we don't have a baseline of you know the the Romeo Cornell, Todd Haley years, right? We forget yeah. about that. We really do. I do want to get into speaking of firing and hiring and coaching staffs. I want to get into that in the next segment, Nick Uh, talking about let's enjoy what we have right now, because when you're successful, people come and poach your people. And we've seen a lot of firings across the NFL and without any insider information, just it's natural to think that when you have a lot of success, the way the chiefs are, and it's going to be sustained success that either people want to take your people to like, try to mimic what you've done 
um, which has worked for some people. It's worked for Andy Reid's tree. It necessarily hasn't worked for Bill Belichick's tree, as Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn up in Detroit got let go. And now Dave Caldwell uh, down in Jacksonville, their GM got let go. So a lot of positions opening around the NFL. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. But before that, Nick, uh, I want to put a bow on this game. Uh, talk a little bit about Tom Brady and Chris Jones um, having a verbal disagreements on the football field uh, and people making a deal of it on Twitter. Uh, I know a lot of cheese fans. And one thing is great about cheese fans is that they remember stuff. They're good fan. Like they were, they follow storylines. They are invested. They remember things. And for those that, that do that, which is a good majority, um, you know, this is not the first time that Chris Jones and Tom Brady have been talking shit to each other on the field. This is a like yearly, weekly, every time they play, this happens, whether it's caught on TV or whether it's not. I was able to witness and be down there to hear some of it. Uh, and it's amazing. But I I'm here for it. I love it on both sides. Um, I love that Tom Brady gets back in Chris Jones face. I love both sides of it. It's everything that's good about football and competition to me. Yeah, I, I love I, I love and I hate when a quarterback gasses up the best defense alignment on the team. <laughs> it's like okay, okay. Oh, don't give that dude more motivation. Like, what are you doing? Like now I gotta block an offensive line. I thought you meant as a fan. No, as an no. offensive alignment. No, as an okay. offensive alignment. No, and especially like honestly, Tom, Tommy, what are you gonna do, man? Chris Jones will <laughs> will Ivan Drago break you. Like, don't I don't I don't get it. Yeah, uh, Tom Brady's the guy throwing a bottle uh, from from the, the back of the fight. That's what he's doing to, to start it. That's what he's doing. He ain't trying to be in the front lines. He ain't trying to be in the front lines and, and you know, trying to get beat a pacifist. I mean, he's, he's, he's the, in the back throwing a bottle. He's like, oh, yeah? Just he's finding the biggest dudes going behind him and be like, they're holding me back. Sucker butt. me back. Sucker butt. Yeah, exactly. But no, it almost, it almost worked though. I mean, because honestly, then you look at the, on the flip side. You know, I think Tampa Tampa's offensive line is clicking. You know, they they yeah. move move Jensen back. They got uh, Marpa uh, uh, Marpet yeah. and then uh, Kappa. I mean, the right guard. I mean, just it's a really good. It's a really good offensive. Ali Marpet's a stud. Ali Marpet yeah. is and one of our Duke Manyweather, One of our guys has been talking about Ali Marpet for the last few years, saying he's been one of the most underrated guards in the league. And I'm not going to be shy about the fact that. I'm going to steal my O-line takes from Duke Manyweather. You should. You're, you, should. You're, you, you and Jeff Allen, the guys that I talk to who played yeah. the position, I'll be like, what do you think? I'm just going to go with what you go with. <laughs> you know, because, style, I don't know. Like, well, yeah. He's good. He's a stud. He's well, very, and, very good. But if, if anything, this would be the one game where, where I feel like other games, they weren't really chasing sacks and having their rush lanes. And this was no. the game where you don't got to worry about a rush lane because Tom Brady ain't going to run on you. You know, so I, I was, yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed. Defense line not getting more pressure, but uh, they're able to dial up some other pressures and get the job done. So it's not something to be said. Nice, nice. Guess what just came, Nick? As With, we're uh, recording, as did, we're did, recording, did we the PR Chiefs PR game notes are here, and I want to thank Brad G and the Chiefs PR staff for always providing such great information along with Matt McMullen, their team reporter and friend of the show and one of our favorite people, Anna Topkin. Nick, our She's old friend Anna, I want to give her a shout-out because I know she uh, occasionally listens to the show. So if you catch this episode, Anna, we love you. Keep doing what you're doing. You are killing it. Uh, but, Nick, I'm going to scroll through the game notes here uh, as we're talking. I want to get into the, the last segment here. But what other – let's put a bow on the rest of this game. Uh, with any thoughts that you have finishing off tonight's 27-24 win for the Chiefs over the Bucks to go to 10-1 and on the season. It was the first time where I, I didn't see Andy take his foot off the pedal. He was still going for the jugular. Um, you know, you can look at that McCall Hardman drop kind of being like a game changer, kind of gave Tampa some a ray of light. Uh, they're a, Tampa's a championship team. They, they will be making yeah. a deep run in the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, we had the, the Chiefs were able to get some fluke. Uh, one fluke uh, red zone interception and it really helped out, but you know, right place, right time. Yeah. Sometimes the ball has got to bounce funny to win championships, you know, to, to win big. So it was a good game. Uh, you know, they didn't have it. They're all in the second half the chiefs did, but they still came out victors uh, away game, you know, yeah. and potential side of the future of the Super Bowl. So yeah. I thought it was pr- pretty, pr- pretty telling, pretty telling story, pretty telling game. Yeah. It was ninth straight win for the chiefs. 
on the road, which ties them. They did that back in 1966, 67, and 2016, 2017. And if it's not obvious already, if you're 25 minutes into this show, then obviously I got the game notes because you get stats like that. They don't just come from nowhere. They come from places. It's a real stat. Uh, it's not Wikipedia. Yeah, it's not Wikipedia. It's straight off, straight off the presses. Uh, we'll run through these real quick, Nick, because there are some in here that are pretty interesting. Uh, Chiefs record book for most touchdown passes thrown in a career. Patrick Mahomes is now moved into third place all time uh, with 106 career How touchdown far away? passes. How far away from the next one? He's a little ways away from Lenny. Uh, Lenny the oh. cool Dawson uh, was played here 14 years, so he has 237. <laughs> so he's a ways. He's a ways away, but the one that's embarrassing. 14 like years? Most, most touchdown, yeah. Most touchdown passes thrown in a season. Patrick Mahomes, is, he has 30 this year, is now second best in Chiefs history behind his 50 touchdown performance two years ago. Uh, that's less about how great Patrick Mahomes is and more about it's just that doesn't bode well for like the past Chiefs quarterbacks throwing touchdowns when he's setting records like this already. Um, he broke yeah. the Todd. He broke the Todd Blackledge curse with with a furious vengeance. Yeah, we can talk about Todd Blackledge now and not just feel disappointed when we do that. No offense, Todd, you're a great broadcaster. Uh, you probably don't listen to the podcast, uh, but <laughs> the other one is uh, and Lynn Elliott. Now we can talk about Lynn Elliott because uh, I have no clue that Super Bowl. Uh, he missed a bunch of – I blocked it out of my memory, but okay. I wanted to say it was 90, 95, 97. He missed fucking four field goals, and we lost by like – Oh, that guy. Okay, that's right. That I, I remember this. I yeah, really no. don't – really do try not to talk about it. At Arrowhead Pride, like the 10 years I was writing there, it was the player who shall not be named. Oh, like, like Lord Wooden. Like, like that's Lord how. Like, yes, that's how he was referred to on the website by people who – were nerdy enough to be on that website enough enough yeah. to know not to say Lynn Elliott. Uh, okay, so most passing yards in a game ever, that 462 that Mahomes threw was the fourth most in a game ever behind Elvis Gerbach's 504 yards back in 2000 against the Raiders, Patrick Mahomes against the Rams. Remember, everybody remembers that Monday night shootout back with the 478 yards um, back in that game when the game got moved. Supposed to be in Mexico City, but Shakira screwed up the field because of her concert down in Mexico City. I'll forgive um, her. It's all Shakira's fault. I love um, her. And then Matt Castle against the Denver Broncos back in 2010. I don't remember that one. Threw for 469 yards. I Dwayne Bowe probably caught a lot of those. Um, and then most 300-yard passing games in a career, Patrick Mahomes is now tied with Trent Green for the most in Chiefs history. <laughs> That's stupid. That 300-yard games don't just come. And, you know, honestly, I think he could have gotten, uh, if you look at that drop, was it 89-yard? It could have been 89-yard touchdown, right? Oh, yeah, the one to McCall Hardman. Yeah, so that would have just set, set it on fire. It really would have. It really oh would have. God. I feel bad for like Trent Green having to call games and like say these stats. <laughs> like he doesn't want to have to repeat these. He knows though. He doesn't. You know, it's because he's a good dude. But it's still like dude. I played with Trent in Trent. Uh, in St. Louis, and he was a really. Dude. I love Trent. Awesome. I didn't guy. know you played with Trent. He's one of my favorite dudes. That's looking yeah. at is completely off subject uh, for people. And I've said this before on the old podcast, I think. Uh, but now, you know, it's completely true because I can say whatever I want right now. Yeah. Uh, but getting that job and working with Trent during the preseason, like during training camp, we'd have like our production meetings and always did the preseason broadcast. He is one of the nicest slash best oh, yeah. dudes. Uh, not even nice for like he's nice for a football player because you always like hold them to a different Correct. standard. Correct. No, they, they could be a dick. Maybe they're having a bad day. Like you yeah. give them the benefit of the doubt. Like Trent's just a nice dude. Yeah. There's so many times where I've like asked her whatever, like he was a genuinely good dude uh, to me. And I was always helpful and always respond and all that stuff. So he's shout great. out. Go Trent. You're a good dude. All right. Let's scroll back through. Uh, all right, so most receiving yards in the 2020 season, yeah. Tyreek Hill has already got 1,000 yards, went over 1,000. He's 1,021 to lead the NFL right now, uh, depending upon how badly Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams torch the Bears' defense uh, currently game going on to date this podcast. Um, but, yeah, Travis Kelsey, 978 yards, just 22 away from his fifth straight 1,000-yard season. And then Tyreek Hill – 
His 13 catches and 269 yards are the second most in Chiefs franchise history. Uh, only Stephon Page's game back against the San Diego Chargers back in 1985 uh, were more. Stephon Page is one of those random players I remember from my childhood going to games with my dad when I was like six years old. I just loved the big big receiver who always made plays across the middle. It was Stephon Page. Like that back was the guy. The back in the day. Back in the day. Clotheslined. That was like 1988. Like. Uh, yeah, back when like the astroturf, like you hit the ground, like you bounced back up, oh. like, like you know, like Tyree Kill tried to do a complete flip after his touchdown and like just yeah. quite made it. Like guys back in that day were like diving for balls, bouncing and doing a complete flip just because the astroturf oh. um, was it intentionally trying to be bouncy. Yeah, hey, I, I think I, I, I think I, I think you're forgetting on the the reception yards that number three was DeAndre Hopkins. Or is nope. yes. Yeah. He's so it's like beast. like Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, DeAndre Hopkins. Like I just can't. Yeah. It's you can't stress that enough that the the wide receiver and the tight end for the Chiefs are the the first and second place for for yards and and yards don't matter. Like essentially, like hundred yards, eighty yards, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. But to have the top two right now, and we're we're approaching December. It's pretty special. So st- stupid. All of these records are just stupid. This entire no, sheet is just like dumb. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Uh, it's it's about, okay, so let's talk about Tyron Matthew and his interception and just his general demeanor because I am 100% here for it. We've talked about this so many times. But him and even – I'll throw Frank Clark in there too. But, like, everybody's hating on Frank Clark because he, he, make, uh, he makes a lot of money right now and everyone's going to question him. And he's come out in the playoffs in the fourth quarter. He's going to get two sacks and a strip fumble. And they're like, oh, my God, I love Frank Clark. <laughs> it's like, fucking no. It's like he's a part – he's a piece of the puzzle that's working right now. Yeah. So let's not complain about all the other stuff. Uh, but, but yeah. It's no. That's my preaching. But, well, and, and I think the thing with Tyron Matthew too, he just he puts himself in in the right position, and and he'll take on guys, you know, two or three times the size, and he'll figure out a way to bring them down. And and I love yeah. I love his aggression, I love his smarts. It just it's it's awesome. Yeah, he's such a great leader too. It's just it's just it's really cool to see him to to get sort of some uh, reward uh, for 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 what he's doing, you know, and and yeah. that defensive uh, reward is you know interception. Yeah, and I. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be there. Like, I'm not going to pretend to know. So I hope this doesn't come 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 across too preachy. But there's just something to be said for it's one thing to go out and like win a Super Bowl. Like, it's a whole other thing. And the reason that people don't win Super Bowls back to back is because it's fucking hard. It you is you're taking everyone's best shot, and we could take take out the the physical toll playing you know that many stressful games late into the season, and now the COVID and like all the crap that's going on, and the continuity and offense, all the different variables that go on every year, and obviously this year there's a lot of them, but it's just fucking hard, and there's it hasn't happened what since the 0304 Patriots, I think it was the last time anyone went yeah. back to back. I think it's happened like eight or nine times in like NFL history. So like all time ever, and let alone all the media scrutiny, like nowadays, it's just different than it was 30 years ago, the ways that free agency works and you could build dynasties easier back then. That's a whole yeah. different discussion that you and I can have later. But like, look at the Steelers, like those, those way those teams were built, the Packers, like way back in the early stage of the football, you just can't build teams, dynasties like that right now. And so that's why it's even more impressive what the Chiefs have done. And that uh, is actually a perfect segue, Nick, into our final thing that I want to talk about, which is just the guys that you don't see for the Chiefs, whether it's the, the coaching staff, I guess you do see some of those guys, but especially on the personnel staff when these GM jobs open, that there's going to be names that you hear every year when it comes to GM jobs. You know, every year is Eric DaCosta with the Ravens. And it was like, he's going to be there after Ozzie Newsom retires. He's going to be the guy. And every year there's going to be new names that are thrown out, whether, you know, it was, um, uh, Lewis Riddick, uh, his name's going to get thrown out and then, you know, he won't do it and then he'll get a new contract with ESPN. It was used for leverage and <laughs> people realize how media and how leverage works. Right. Um, but for what's real and for the real jobs that are out there, you know, two more of them opened up with the Lions job we mentioned earlier. And then with the, the, the Jaguars job and Dave Caldwell, these are teams that are going to be picking high in this draft. Uh, whatever happens with Adam Gase, Joe Douglas and the Jets as well. Um, you know, the Falcons jobs open, the Texans job is a fucking horrible job uh, that no one should want to take. And uh, hopefully no one that I care about goes down there. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> first, hey, 
they get first round picks and and you got Deshaun Watson. No, they don't. They don't have first. They, they traded all their picks. They don't have a first <laughs> or a second round pick. They have no cap space, and they have an owner who fired the PR lady that everyone liked because she was tweeting about uh, Kamala. Harris. Anyway, let's yeah. let's not go. Let's not go there. That's, that's um, Texas for you. The owner is who he is, and he can make his decisions. It's his company. He can make whatever decision he wants. And the coaches who have the opportunity or hot commodities uh, who can decide where they want to go because they will have some leverage can decide whether they want to go down there. So it'll be really interesting to see what kind of support uh, the Texans get uh, this offseason with coaches um, and if they get uh, their pick of people. I, I've it's always the most, It's the nicest way I can say that. That really was well put. I, I've always, I've always never liked that the college or the NFL process of of having to hire someone in season. So you have to quit on your old team, obviously once you're done, whatever, and go to your new team. I just, I don't find that process very fair. Like I don't feel like you should be able to hire or even talk to anybody until the day after the Super Bowl. I think just put everyone on a level setting. So if you go over and you're sitting on the streets as a coach and you know, you're playoff time, you're interviewing. No, cause it's a distraction for teams. You know, no, Oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're running back coach, assist offense coordinator, Eric Benemies, you know, it's going to be interviewing for people. It, it's, it's yeah. like, come on, you know, like finish the job and then do it. It sucks. It's like when the chiefs didn't have uh, Charlie Weiss as an offensive coordinator because he took the Florida job and left before we played the Ravens in the playoffs in like 2010. Like he, we didn't have an offensive coordinator. Yeah. We're, we're like, playoff game. What? Like, <laughs> did, if that didn't tell you how bad things were internally, that we had coaches leaving the NFL to go take a college job yeah. to get prepared, like before a playoff game. Like really? Like, Can you imagine yeah. like a coach doing that now? Like, and well, then not, and, not enough people asking questions like what the hell is going anyway we're going it's off Scott, on a tangent but for us to do that when he left um uh wherever he left in florida i get it in college but you're talking about like a he did it from the nfl to college talking about guy charlie weiss went from an nfl job to a college job that's the worst coach in the playoff game because that's the worst. no, the, the, the like, worst. whatever it is like that's just it doesn't make sense to me but anyway I, let's talk about this because I want to talk about that because, you know, Eric Bieniemy is going to get a job. He's going to get a head coaching job. Steve Spagnuolo may get a job. Dave Tobe should continue getting jobs. You know, Mike Kafka is going to get moved up because at this point he's the worst kept secret is the the Eagles tried to poach him last year. Uh, You know how valued he is in that room, that he was one of the guys from the moment Patrick Mahomes stepped in that building. Mike Kafka was one of those guys who was helping him along with Matt Nagy that first year when they were all here together. And when Nagy left, Kafka was that guy. Uh, that was helping him. Then Eric Bieniemy helps put the whole thing together. So Eric Bieniemy is going to get his job. And Nick, the thing I want to ask you about, because, um, and I don't know, because you don't see it very often, but I don't know why you don't, because it's working well with the Chiefs, uh, regardless of who has final say, or you want to say, is Brett who has more say between Brett Veach and Andy Reid? Uh, Andy Reid does, but that's not to say that Brett Veach doesn't have his own responsibilities. So yeah. the question becomes, when Eric Bieniemy is you know, interviewing for these head coaching jobs. Why don't NFL owners, whether it's the owner of, you know, the Detroit Lions, why don't they make it a package deal? Like bring Eric Bieniemy and the GM that he chooses because those guys getting along is paramount to success anywhere. And you're not going to find very many successful franchises where the GM and the head coach are not getting along. If it is, that success is going to be fleeting. You know, maybe they got a couple drafts right. They hit on a draft pick and they got lucky a few times. It's not sustainable success. So my question is, if Eric Bieniemy is going to go, what's to keep him from coming, taking someone he's familiar with and making it a package deal? Whether it's somebody at the Chiefs, it's obviously not going to be Brett Veach, but whether it's a Mike Borgonzi, a Ryan Poles, a Ryan Nutt, there's Mike Bradway. There's a bunch of those guys. I just named off a bunch of names that people listening are probably, who the hell are those people? Those are the people that who were the Brett Veaches four or five years ago. Like those are the next people in line. And when your team is having success, eventually two or three NFL franchises are going to get smart and be like, let's just freaking take what they're doing and say, hey, come do that here. And part of the reason it's so successful here is because Andy Reid and Brett Veach are on the same page. And you see it all the time. You start hearing where it's not on the same page because there's freaking leaks everywhere. And every there's all the stuff in the media all over the place. It's because the coaches and the personnel staff, like everybody's fighting to try to save their jobs. It is. And I think what, what you need to do is I think owners are getting smart and they're they're not just doing the same old carousel of, of one coach gets fired. They get hired somewhere else. It's like they're bringing a new talent. I mean, you know, I think, you know, Sean uh, McVeigh 
uh, in LA, it kind of really set the standard of like, Hey, here's fresh blood. Here's a guy who's going to think differently. He's going to change it up a little bit. And then yeah. that leads to Cliff Kingsbury. And then it looks at where you owners are looking at like, Oh, look at the Cowboys. You know, why do they, why do they always every year expect to win it? And then they don't. And it's like, who's their GM? Who's been their GM the whole time? It's been Jerry Jones. Right. Yeah. So it's something where it's like, it, it is. And you look at the chiefs and you look at the, the, the synergy between, I hate that word, but it's perfect. Is Brett Veach and Andy Reid. And if you have two guys who are on the same page, no egos, drafting, you know, putting together a top to bottom roster, you need cohesion. You know, you it's need called to know trust the, factor. Yes. We used to call it trust factor because once a week I would write a trust factor article because it was the personnel staff has to trust the coaching staff. The coaching staff has to trust the personnel staff. And yeah. depending upon what point of the season you're in, you're in the off season, it's the coaching staff needs to trust the personnel staff to bring them good players. And then during the training camp, it's the coaching staff praising the talent that the personnel staff was able to give them that year of new players that come in. And it's not fake. And I make jokes of it and I make light of it because I did this for six years, but it was also real because it worked. And because you look at the depth, you look at the UDFAs that the chiefs brought in the guys that you've promote, uh, promoted over the years guys like Daniel Sorensen um, guys like Shark Hendrick West. And then the trade, it's for guys like Charvarius Ward and then bringing in the, it's, you know, we talk about the Frank Clark and the Chris Jones and the Tyron Matthew and the Sammy Watkins, these big deals, these big names. Yeah. Those other ones are the ones that are winning. The Bashad Breelands are helping you win as like games. The Rashad Fenton draft pick is helping you win football games. And going back to even before Brett, the the drafting of Laurent Duvernay Tardif in the sixth round and Zach Fulton in the sixth round. I know I'm jumping all over the place. Yeah. But but it's no, all of those moves coming together are why you're successful. You can't just hit on a couple of draft picks and not get any UDF UDFA rights. You can't just get your big money guys right and then not hit on your draft picks and expect you have to have this constant mix of kind of doubling up and protecting yourself. If you miss on a draft pick that you've got a, a low end, not expensive veteran, who can step in and play right there in case that draft pick doesn't work out right away. There's just puzzle. There's never ending puzzle that comes together. And for the chiefs to have the kind of success that they've had over the last eight years, eight straight winning seasons under Andy Reid, which shouldn't get lost. I know we talked about it last week, um, but 10 and one looking like they're going to be back in the, the AFC title mix um, again this year and have to beat a good team to go back to the Super Bowl, which you expect them to do. But let's not get, let's not all these little benchmarks, all these little checkpoints. Let's not lose sight of those and lose sight of the fact that when you start to have success, let's not be surprised this off season or even over the next month that we start hearing some of these names like, like I said, Mike Borgonzi, Ryan Poles, Ryan Nutt, Mike Bradway. Those are all that next in line type of guys behind Brett Veach uh, who are start who are going to start getting pulled away simply because uh, rising tides raise all ships and those guys deserve a shot. I agree. Success does. Sorry, that's my rant. I like yeah. that. I was a, a little a little outside the trenches, but I was a little in, in, in insider knowledge. I like that. Was it? I didn't think it was insider knowledge. I just think that it's kind of common sense. Like at some point you're going to start getting poached. And if not, then I wish for all the teams that make decisions to keep failing because I don't know what the people here have to do besides going out and doing their job better than anyone else because the team is more successful than anyone else. That's not being cocky. That's just look at the results. Look at what they're doing and want to give Andy Reid credit. Yes, but Andy Reid is also developing guys underneath him. And we're going to start to see Brett Veach, who at the time he was hired, was the youngest GM in the NFL. And so from being around these guys and Brett having that relationship with coach, the respect the coach has, everyone's going to see the successful way that it works. And then the cool thing is the way that coach is with his guys. They're going to take that and then they're going to go put their little tweak on it wherever else they go and then just have that foundation of – like successful knowledge on how to be successful, not just from an X's and O standpoint, but we've talked about it from an entire organization of you can explain it better than I can. Cause I don't want to rant on this, but like the decisions that a head coach makes that are non football related. I think fans would sometimes forget that, you know, COVID not, notwithstanding in other years, like our family is allowed in the locker room, our family's allowed in the hotel lobby or what are the, what's the rule as far as families being in the locker room? What are the, you know, how do you handle training camp? How do you handle travel? How do you handle dri guys driving to and from practice? Like all those things that coaches have to handle. Um, you're getting a successful organizational person hiring somebody that's worked with Andy Reid. That's my 
my case. I, I like that. No, I, and I 100% agree with you. I really do. So, yeah, we're going to see some attrition. Uh, you win a lot of games, you win a Super Bowl. They're going to they're gonna start raiding. Other teams are going to raid your pantry. They want to copy that success elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. All right, Nick, before we put a bow in this episode, do you have any final parting thoughts about this game as the Chiefs move to 10-1 on the season? And uh, we wrap up this Outside the Trenches thanks to our good friends at Jack Stack Barbecue. It was an ugly win. Um, you know, Chiefs almost almost lost it. Uh, defense stepped up when they needed to. Offense stepped up when they needed to. End of story. Move on to the next week. Win and move on as the Chiefs again move to 10-1 and one on the season. 27-24 win. Patrick Mahomes goes 37-49 for 462 yards and three touchdowns. Outdueling the future Hall of Famer Tom Brady who throws for 345 yards and three scores. But he is picked off two times. Ron Gr- Rob Gronkowski does go for 106 yards and six receptions on the day, but it was not enough as the Buccaneers fall to seven and five on the season. Good one for the Chiefs as the rest of the AFC West. Everyone else took a back seat, moving to or going 0 and 3 on the day again, getting outscored 101 to 26. Great stuff for the Chiefs. They will be back next week, and we'll be back here to break it down. For Nick Lecky, I'm BJ Kissel. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.